Ano ai me ke aloha e nā makamaka e hoʻolohe mai nei i kēia polokalamu o Kaleo o Kauluau. E anō kākou i ka aina o Kohala. O Kohala, aina haaheo no hoʻi. Aloha, dear listeners. Mahalo for joining us again at Kaleo o Kauluau as we continue our huakai around Hawaii Mokupuni, the island of Hawaii. Today we find ourselves in the moku of Kohala, a proud district, as mentioned in the Olalo Noeo or famous saying that Lei just mentioned. Kohala aina haaheo. We hope that Kohala reminds us to all be proud of where we come from and where we live. Oya noe, Drew. Velina mai. Welcome to Kaleo Kauluo. Aloha kaua, Drew. Aloha ele. Pehe oi. Mai kai pehe oi. Mai kai mahalo. I'm very excited that we have the opportunity to host another special guest from Kohala as we continue our huaka'i around this mokupuni. Yes, that's for sure. Our guest today has a special hilina, or relationship with Waimea. Would you do the honors of introducing her? Hiki no. Kahealani Kuuipo Wilcox grew up in Waimea on Hawaii Island and still calls that special place home. She attended Hawaii Community College, where she studied in the Hawaii Lifestyles Program Hula Track, and then at the University of Hawaii, where she focused on Hawaiian studies and anthropology. She is a Uniki Hula graduate as part of the original Unole Hua cohort under the direction of Kumuhula Taupori Tangaro. She has served as an educational assistant at Kanuoka Aina Charter School in Waimea and continues to teach Hawaiian studies classes at Hawaii Community College. She devotes herself to raising her animals at the ranch in Pu'ukapu and works to uplift her community. Wow, so exciting to have Kahialani with us today. Let's go over to her now. Welcome, Kahialani. It's so great to see you again and share this space with you. Um, I fondly reminisce about those many times that we spent together, often centered around education or hula or our island environment. And the last time, most recently, was in that cloud forest above Waimea um, and the precipice at the back of Waipio and then the coastline of Kohala, um, an amazing time with you. I'm so proud to call you one of my colleagues at the college, and um, I'm really appreciative that you share your expertise of so many different hana no'eo, um, native plant dyes, laymaking, ohekapala, ulanahala, all of those things um, to empower our student community. And I appreciate your on- ongoing dedication to your community of Waimea, the well-being of it, the welfare of that community, and mahalo nui for coming to share about this special land of pu'u and magical forests with us. Mahalo. Aloha e kahealani. It's a pleasure to meet you, and we're happy that you agreed to join us and our listeners on this huaka'i. So, e olu olu mai? Share with us, please. Ole wai mea i ka ihea kamakani hau mai na ale ake ki pu'u pu'u He lao kalai anake anu i o o i kana helea o mahiki Ku aku lao i kamala nai ake ki pu'u pu'u Olu kamaka o ka o hawai o uli Nini au eha ka pua o ke koai e eha i ke anu kana helea o ai ka e Ahi aloha e, ahi aloha e Aloha Aloha Mahalo nui first of all, um, Drew and Leilani for having me in this episode 
And having me to share my mo'olelo on this Kaleo Oka'uluau podcast series, I'm very honored to be here with you folks. I wanted to start off with an oli, which was written um, for Kamehameha. And when Kamehameha needed more spear fighters, and having heard of a company of 1,200 young men of Waimea on Hawaii Island, he trained these people, these runners, um, warriors, these koa of Waimea were trained runners. And he went to see for himself these koa there in Waimea. And he was pleased with their swiftness and knew that they would make excellent spear fighters. Um, these koa, or these warriors, were known as kipu'upu'u. And as they were heading to the forest of Mahiki to gather their spears, they decided to compose this chant in honor of Kamehameha the first. Uh, this chant was it was first chanted as an oli, and then later became a hula. And this was one of the most popular chants of Kamehameha's time, and was heard wherever uh, he arrives and wherever he moved. Also, um, there was also hidden meaning behind this mele or this chant, as that. Forest of Mahiki. It was a place for making spears for the warriors in ancient times. In times of peace, the ali'i and the men would go there to prepare for the times of war to come. And one more piece that I wanted to add um, was that Mahiki was where Hi'iaka, the younger sister of Pele, battled the Mo'o, Mahiki, at Mo'olau, in the vicinity of Mahiki and Waika. And in the epic saga of Hi'iake Kipolio Pele, Mo'olau is referred to as a kupua, or demigod, bringing them into this space and honoring uh, this, this oli, or this chant, first and foremost. Mahalo. 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 Aloha no kako, aloha no kako, o vau no o kahea lani kuui po no vaimeo, maeo, makamokupuni o Hawaii. Uh, I was born in here, actually, in Honaka'a, right above us, um, in the hospital, and raised in Kauaki Pu'upu'uo Waimea for the past 33 years. I feel very honored as one of the featured uh, members of Waimea community to speak of my mo'olelo. So mahalo again for having me. Um, for those of you listening out in outer islands or maybe outside of uh, Hawaii, Waimea is located on Hawaii Island in the southernmost most region of Kohala. Kohala being the most northern moku or district in, on Hawaii Island. And also known as the eldest mauna of the five mountains on Hawaii Island. Waimea, if we want to translate that, translates to vai being water and mea referring to red. We also, we are familiar with knowing red being ula, but in this instance, um, the red is mea. And I hear many stories from kupuna and not only just hearing the stories, but seeing for myself growing up that when we have big rains, um, you know, I, we go to the river sometimes and you'll see that the water is red. And it flows red from Mauka all the way to Makai. Um, and so that's, that's one 
major characteristic of Waimea. I, before I go into speaking of any kanaka, I wanted to recognize characteristics of Waimea that I grew up with. And characteristics that I was able to establish a pilina or a relationship with over the past 33 years. And the first and foremost that I mentioned earlier was the fierce and piercing winds and rain known as the Kipu'ufu. For those of you who out there listening, who've been to Waimea, who've experienced this rain and this wind, you have experienced Waimea. If we break down the word Kipu'upu'u, ki means, is a, one meaning is to shoot, as in a gun. Uh, pu'upu'u meaning lumpy. In this instance, it refers to goosebumps on the skin. So when the rain comes from a, usually from a, a, the same direction, the rain accompanied with the wind, um, it pierces your skin and it, it um, causes you to get goosebumps, mm. like pu'upu'u on your skin. We're very intimate with this, uh, this feeling. And, and I wouldn't change it for the world. And I'm mahalo that this characteristic still remains in my day. And I hope it still remains in the, for the generations to come. The rain and the wind that usually comes through Waimea comes from a, like a northeastern direction. That's the usual direction that it comes through in Waimea. Um, so people who build their homes in Waimea know where to face their front door and their lanai so that they're not getting whipped in the face when they're outside trying to drink a morning coffee. <laughs> um, another beautiful characteristic that I love of Waimea and I always love, which you don't see um, every day, is Kohiwai o Waimea or the mist of Waimea. The mist of Waimea that rose in every so often and blankets the land with a heavy white misty cloak. Uh, the forest and the pu'u of Waimea, Waimea is also known for its many pu'u. Um, the forest and the pu'u draws in and captures the clouds that contribute to our water cycles. These pu'u and these forests of Waimea are very important people we like to refer them as, or like our kupuna, um, so that we may continue the water cycles that feed every part of who we are, not only the kanaka, but the environment that shapes us. So mahalo to those forest people, the pu'u, that draws in this mist. This is uh, one of many characteristics of Waimea that I adore and also, side note, driving in Waimea, mist, takes some serious skill mm. and ex experience. So you know you're from here when you know where every pothole <laughs> and turn is on the road, being that you can only see some feet in front of you, um, in front of your car hood when you're driving. Mm. We love Kauhiwai Waimea. Um, other characteristics or just things that Waimea is known for as well is, you know, I brought some pictures here for you guys because I'm a visual person and just wanted to share a little bit about um, the cherry blossoms. Waimea has a 
um, a park and the the area that most of the cherry blossoms are is at Church Row. And there's a annual um, cherry blossom festival every year in Waimea that is held in February, usually like the first or second week of February, where the cherry blossoms are most abundant. And luckily, we have a big cherry blossom on our aina that was there since my grandmother um, was alive. Um, so, <laughs> in acknowledging, after acknowledging uh, all of this, these aina elements, um, I want to move into acknowledging and recognizing the pillars in my life who raised me in Waimea and helped to shape me into my own characteristics. The first I would like to bring into this space is my kupuna wahine, my father's mother, Martina Tamara Whitehead. Um, she was born on Oahu in 1922, and she lived majority of her life in Waimea. She raised me and my two older sisters, Kaulahea and Oana, on this aina. We grew up on a 30-acre farm in Pu'ukapu, Hawaiian homes in Waimea. Um, and my father was actually the, the main farmer. He, um, it wasn't necessarily by choice, but by... Um, he knew that if he didn't come back to Malama Da'ina, that it wouldn't be, we wouldn't have the farm. So I do want to mahalo my father, um, who took on that kuleana to Malama Da'ina. Uh, one of our main crops, or a few of our main crops was gobo. You don't really see that too often being cultivated. It's a root, um, a top root um, vegetable. And takes a lot of work. I mean, I was probably what eight, in, in, not in my single digits still, <laughs> and out there working um, this gobo. And we needed, we had d d, we had big tractors. <laughs> <laughs> we had big tractors um, that helped us in, you know, moving the aina and, and harvesting. Gobo was one of them, and daikon. Uh, my father made sure that he actually flew to Japan to get a Japanese strain of daikon or Japanese variety and brought it home in Waimea where we grew it. Um, and I still love Goborn daikon to today, surprisingly. Um, and as well as Chinese cabbage and types of lettuce we, we grew in Waimea. And I'm, st I'm blessed to still be living on this aina in Pu'ukapu that raised me, although not all 30 acres of it now, it's actually 15 acres, uh, which was split after my grandma's passing uh, between siblings. And although my time as a young girl on the farm did not last into my adulthood, I hold that foundation near and dear to me. Um, like I said, my ohana and I are blessed to be the caretakers of this aina um, that raised us in Pu'ukapu and the aina and space, this aina and space will, is where my heart and spirit is most content. Uh, actually, yesterday marks eight years, Kalamai, it marks 10 years since she passed. So, mahalo, Grandma, for all that you've done uh, for us. 
Grandma Martina, she, uh, another characteristic, I want to say, or something that Waimea is known for too, is their le akule kule. And my grandmother was uh, one of those laymakers. She made. It was beautiful. She actually grew the lay. I'm, I'm pulling up these pictures for you folks because this was actually her mala. Um, that is not there anymore. But one of my goals is to bring it back. However, um, as a young girl, um, you know, I guess my appreciation for the art of lay akulikuli wasn't as great in my youth as it is now in my maturity and now that since my grandmother had passed many years ago and so I remember you know as a small girl um my grandma telling asking maybe telling me to um okay go outside but you had to go outside in the morning before the sun pukas through before the sun even touches the akulikuli because once it touches the akulikuli then um, it blooms and it opens. So you need you need to go out and gather before they open, because um, it would, it's more prime to to string the lay with hundreds of buds um, before they open. So one lay takes many 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 buds, um, and I would pick them, put them in a cardboard box <laughs> for grandma, go inside and just watch. You know, I never really. Asked grandma, oh, grandma, how you make this? Can I, can I learn, you know? And I wish I did at that, that age, but I just, maybe I wasn't ready at the time. But that's a real fond memory I'll always have of hers and I'll always share is her art for making akulikuli. Um, and now in my adult years, I recognize and acknowledge how valuable this ike of making lei akulikuli is to Waimea especially being that there are few people left who make this type of lay. Also, grandma was known for, um, she sang and played ukulele for as long as I can remember. And I'm happy and blessed to, to be the caretaker of her ukulele. And um, there's another picture I have for you folks. She used to go into schools actually here in, in Honoka'a at St. Joseph School. She would go into the schools and just kanikapila for the kiki and, you know, just bring joy to them as, as they did to her. She used to take my sisters and I to family reunions in Laia, or known as Laie, uh, where she was originally from and where she's buried now. And so I got to know this side of the family through my grandmother. And my grandmother's hale in Waimea is where we, where all of our ohana would gather and you know, being on Hawaii Island, this house was um, where everybody wanted to come in. Everybody who visited outer islands, even if in outer districts, they always came to this hale. And um, I really hope to to be that space still for my family. Um, yeah. She always had a way of bringing everyone together. No pilikia between anybody. It was just aloha between everyone and she, is, she exemplifies every meaning of aloha to me. Another person that I would like to bring into this space is my mother, Marilyn Mitchell. Um, our ohana comes from Pu'uanahulu and Ho'okena. That's the spaces where my mother was raised. 
My grandmother on my mother's side is Mary Ann Rosalio. And my ohana down in Ho'okena, uh, in Kona, South Kona, are the, the Lozalios. My sisters and I were raised by strong women uh, in, my, in my life. And my mother being that, the backbone of those women. And um, my sisters, Kaula and Owana, raised me as well. And, and my grandmother, I just mentioned. And also my auntie, my mom's sister, Auntie Sheila bringing them into this space because they also raised me to be who I am. Uh, my sister Oana and Kaulahia were one of my biggest, are still one of my biggest supporters along with my mother. So mahalo mom, ohana and Kaula for everything. Um, another pillar in my life I want to bring into this space is Uncle Bobby Roy. Um, he is my mother's sister's late husband. He passed several years ago and he was truly a father figure to me and my sister, Kaulahea. Unfortunately, I'm um, growing up, um, you know, my, my mother uh, became a single mother and there were two father figures in my life and one being my uncle Bobby Roy and the other being my Kumuhula Taupuri Tangoro. Um, so he... My Uncle Bobby Roy, he instilled the true country ways into our lives. Uh, he was a Paniolo. He worked for Parker Ranch um, many years. And my sister and I learned how to build fixed fence. If you have made fence before, you know how hard work it is, <laughs> how much work it takes. Um, using We actually used the old school tools like the OO and the wooden almost falling apart fence hole digger that my uncle would not, um, you know, put to rest and we just had to deal with it and, and make fence with it. But, you know, I'm a hollow those days um, because now we use auger. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Good times. Um, he and my auntie Sheila gave me my first horse, my first and only horse, um, in which he taught me how to train this horse, how to saddle him, how to ride him. He taught me how to shoot a gun. He taught me how to gut, skin, shoot, cut the meat of a pig and sheep. So I attribute all that I know of being a country-grown wahine to you, Uncle Bob. Um, okay. So that was just <laughs> an introduction <laughs> of um, just white male and the people who are pillars in my life. Um, would you folks like to say anything <laughs> before I go into the next side? I have questions. Okay. Do you have questions? Yeah, but you, you go first. I just have a smaller, another small segment. Okay, Higino. Please tell us more. Okay, so um, there's just a short mo'olaro pokole that I wanted to leave um, with you folks today. And this is the story of Manaua. And this story, Manaua, um, is in the land division of Waiaka in Waimea. And she's responsible for the rains that we receive and the Paniolo would tell you, you know, they, they would go to this, this rock that's dedicated to her and they would ask for rain, you know, for the cattle to have grass to grow. Um, so that it's still um, important for that reason today and also for the crops so we can have our, our, our food to grow as well. But one of the, the versions I heard of this story um, is about 
young boys, a group of young boys who travel. Um, one of their favorite pastimes was called Lavai Amanu. And they would go early in the morning to go Lavai Amanu or bird fishing. And much like the fishing people, they got their poles, their fishing lines, their hooks and bait ready for their trip. And they would use um, cocoons uh, for their maunu or bait that they would use to fish for kolea or golden plover birds. When all was ready, they would walk up a short distance up hoku'ula, pu'u, pu'u hoku'ula, one of the most prominent pu'u that you can see in Waimea. Actually, side note, um, there's trees that grew up on that pu'u and it was actually, the trees were meant to create a P, like a large P that was supposed to represent P for Parker Ranch. Mm -hmm. However, some parts of the P did not grow. And right now it's just two lines of trees. So that's how you can know, you know, which one is Hoku'ula. Back to the Mo'olalo. So they would go up to Hoku'ula where they cast their lines and they would put sinkers on their lines, and those sinkers' stones were called pohaku kapili manu. And those stones were on this on their lines so that the famous winds, kipu'upu'u winds of Waimea, wouldn't whip their lines all over the place, chasing the birds away. And so as the boys would lay still and lay quiet in the tall grass, they would continue fishing for the birds until they acquired enough kolea birds for their consumption to take home to the kupuna. And one of the boys actually mentioned a suggest or suggested that they would go to a famous or one of their fam favorite swim spots just above the bird fishing area at Hoku'ula. And so they all agreed to go to this swimming hole that was called, that is called Koha Kohau. And there they, they were taught, they knew protocol um, during this time. And in order to gain permission to go into, to swim in the pond, um, they took with them a tea leaf. And they knew that were in, they were in the home of Mo'o Wahine named Manaua, the water guardian of the stream. And it said that if you toss in the tea leaf and it floats, then hikike komo, then you can go in and swim. However, if the tea leaf sank, um, you may want to go back another day. And so on this day, they lured the tea leaf in and walana, it floated. And so the boys dove in, they enjoyed the cold mountain water. And then after some time, they noticed, oh, one of their friends didn't surface. And it took, they started to look, search around, and they couldn't find him. And despite all their efforts in searching, they gathered their belongings, returned back home to the lower lands of Waiaka, where they shared um, the, the kolea with the kupuna of the area. But these kupuna knew what happened. The wisdom of, their, of these kupuna, they told them, it was Manaua who had taken your friend and kept him for herself. They explained that she admired him while she watched him swim and decided to keep him as her companion. Um, 
And so this, a little closer to Waimea Town, there's a rock that bears her name, Manoa. Very large pohaku. And it's near um, Ana's Ranch area. And she's known to frequent that place, that large boulder. And she comes down from Kohakohao and she lays on the boulder to warm her body in the sun. And then returns up Uka, where she remains today. Um, the boulder of Manaua and the pond of Kohakohao are reminders for us today to honor this special um, story and landscape of historic Waimea. And so I wanted to share this mo'olelo as a reminder for me, especially, and, and if it serves as a reminder for the listener to, to never forget the importance of protocol and acknowledgement in another's landscape. What may seem like a large rock to sit upon um, to outsiders or a cool place to take a dip in a hot day is actually, could actually be a sacred space that holds potent mana imbued by pule and chant from the people of that region. So I hope this mo'olelo pokole not only gives you some insight about Waimea, but inspires you or us to malama the stories of our Ainahanao. So those forest people, those wind people, the mist people, water people, and all the environmental people and the people, the kanaka of the land as well, may live on for generations to come. If you go to Kahilu Theater in Waimea, you can see a huge mural that was painted by um, Mana Murals, 2014, which was led also by Kanua Ka'aina, the students and staff at Kanua Ka'aina. And it has a large painting of Manoa on there. So also brought a picture for you folks to see. Mahalo nui. Mahalo nui. Mahalo for sharing that. Mahalo nui for sharing that mo'olelo. I had never heard that one before. And I just noticed that while you're sharing um so much information is locked within. If we're talking about fishing for birds and specifically the kolea, then we can we can determine that that was during a certain time of the year. So just little tidbits of like of those kinds of information just locked within our mo'olelo show us how akamai or kupuna were. And I just think that's so amazing when I hear different mo'olelo from from different places and mm. yeah so mahalo nui and so much of what you shared um the the elements the people of that landscape of waimea that you've interacted with all, all of your life and that are so celebrated in that space um from the like uhivai to the kipu'upu'u to the waters that you describe just really reminds at least someone like me how how water is that i mean of course it is it's the foundation of this area that and i think so many people have particular associations with waimea and for some people maybe water is not the first one but i think that you've reminded us that it's you know it's the center of a cycle um it's a source of this place is a source of life and i mean when i think about the place Pu'ukapu that you've mentioned too i mean the little bit that i know as a volcano person is that um that 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 Pu'ukapu itself is like a um is like a source for Kohala, right? There's all these streams that emanate from those mountains, those pool that you've you've brought into our our consciousness. And um, I don't know, it's just it's 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 so significant in the provision of life for that whole district. Um, and just just the fact that the streams from Waimea flow down to the driest place on the island. You know what I mean? And um 
and and Manawa, that that rock that you speak of, it reminds me too that you know there was that time recently when um, Upper Pool Kapu was you know facing that really serious situation with you know encroaching fire, a wildfire, and it, and I know that Manawa was a was a was a symbol for a lot of people, a place to go and pule and and focus on, um, you know, ensuring the energy of life-giving rain is, is, you know, return to that landscape to also address the problem that it was happening in Waimea. Anyway, um, I, I appreciate what you shared. <laughs> it's not so much a question, but um, just I appreciate you just bringing, reminding us that Waimea is a place about water. You know what I mean? And water is about life and mahalo for being part of that cycle too. Oh yeah, mahalo. Um, can I also add in that, you know, when there's big rain in Waimea, we, we understand that like you mentioned earlier, being Waimea situated on the back of Waipio, um, at the, the upper region, that when it rains big, Hi'ilawe, um will flow heavily and, and it'll stream down the valley. So people in Waimea might, um, you know, they'll send the message down to Waipio, Keua Nui, you know. Yeah. During those times, would Hakalawa then flow too? Oh, yeah. Yeah, she um, definitely. And it's usually like really, really big rains that both of them will flow simultaneously. And that's that's a treat mm-hmm. for even um, people in white PO and for me to see. One of the things that you mentioned um, I really connected with was when you were sharing that beautiful memory you have of your tutuahine uh, preparing the lei akulikuli and um, how you how you can vividly recall watching her and and remember the process and how you had to go out and collect the beautiful flowers before the sun puka. And and it it reminded me of a similar memory that I have with my grandmother. And she had um, prepared a Mauna Loa Lei. And I know that only Mm -hmm. certain people um, are... it, it was it's a very specific style. So when you share about the akulikuli and then um, you shared the beautiful photograph with our with us, um, I just can't imagine how much love went into making those lei, and and it's a beautiful thing that you have. And and I do hope your mala comes back thriving, and I can <laughs> it, it'll be such a beautiful thing. And and I can see the aloha you have for your tutu when you share with us. So mahalo. Mahalo. Wow, I haven't heard of the Mauna Loa Lei. So. <laughs> Mahalo for sharing. Mahalo Lei for bringing that Mauna Loa Lei tradition from your family into this discussion too. Um, and yeah, when you mentioned the Akuli Kuli, that was like amazing, just the image of those growing. Um, mm. And yeah, I, I had forgotten actually that that is something that I've always associated with your part of the island as well, Akuli Kuli, that special, special plant person Mm -hmm. and so i just what you shared today reminds me not only of the water cycle but all of the the cycles that are about kanaka about people too the important people including very strong women in your life um, as well as some men and um the importance of the environmental elements who have shaped your experience and, and who you are today so we are very grateful to have you with us and learn more about this very very special place of waimea mahalo for sharing mahalo nui Aloha. Aloha. What beautiful imagery Kahealani shared with us about her Aina Aloha, Waimea, 
She brought with her the goosebump-inducing, skin-chilling rain, the kipu'upu'u, also the blanket of uhivai that settles in certain areas, the importance of vai as shown in the Anoa Waimea, and the changing of waters after a heavy rain into flowing red rivers. Kahealani also brought with her family members who helped shape her into the strong wahine she is today. Yes, Kahealani offered amazing insights into what it means to be connected to and immersed in this landscape, this place, Waimea. And as we look ahead, there's so much more to come. With this episode, we wrap up our huaka'i of the moku of Kohala and we move on to Hamakua. Mahalo again to our special guest, Kahealani Wilcox, and to you, our dear audience, for lending your ears to this episode of Kaleo Kauruau. Please join us next time. And don't forget to visit our blog to follow along with our story map. And check us out on Instagram and Facebook too. Until then, ahui hong. Aloha. <laughs>